You are listening to the ARB podcast. Tune in as you stir yourself up by filling your ears with the anointed messages of faith as you strengthen your spirit at any time of day. And we'll see you on the other side of faith. Hallelujah. Rekabroso kobranderi atakabrombra dekere mrosha katebe. Nahanda raboso tekeba. How many of you have come here tonight expecting a miracle? Tonight, whatever you require, you will have tonight. Whatever need you've walked in here with, I I pray tonight that it shall be met in Jesus' name. You have to understand something. That everything that you require is available in the presence of God. Tonight I can already feel the healing virtue of God already flowing here in our midst. Oh, hallelujah. Just lift your hands up to Jesus wherever you are. Holy Spirit, take complete control. I worship you, Lord Jesus. Come take complete control over tonight. Let the wind of your Holy Spirit blow through this place tonight in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your presence here tonight. Even as you're sitting here right now, miracles are already taking place. God does not depend on my prayer to heal the sick. He is the miracle worker. I'm not the miracle worker. It's all about him. Oh, hallelujah. Tonight, even as you sit here, as the word is proclaimed over you, the word of God will take root into your lives. And not one of you will be left the same way that you came here. Even as you sit here, your broken families will come back together. The finances that the devil stole from you, God is going to restore it a hundredfold tonight in Jesus' name. Even many of you, when you wake up in the morning, you'll wake up to good news in the name of Jesus. Tonight, the devil takes his hands off you once and for all. The devil has had you long enough. He's had your children long enough. He's had your finances long enough. He's had your health long enough. Today it ends in Jesus' name. His hand comes off your life. (laughs) Oh, hallelujah. We give you the glory for everything that you're going to do tonight. In everything you must increase and I must decrease. You alone deserve all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Hallelujah. Tonight, the Lord, has, the Lord spoke to me and told me that he's going to bring a breakthrough, especially in your finances. Let me tell you, coming from India, my generation's have been Hindu Brahmin priesthood families, you know. We've been in temples, and my grandfather, my great-grandfather, my great-great-grandfather, they were, all temp- they were all priests in temples in India. And the Lord miraculously touched my dad, and he was the first person to get saved in my family. And he got saved in the middle of a miracle. But because of his following of Christ, 
My grandfather threw him out of the house, and we come from a very wealthy family. And he had to live on the streets and eat on the streets, and, you know, he would eat leftovers out of cans and things like that, and it was a total mess. And even when I was born, we had nothing. Our house was probably half the size of the sanctuary with no rooms to live in. All we had is a bunch of blankets that we used as rooms to stay in there. And the bathroom was so tiny, it was only enough for one person to stand in that bathroom. That's the kind of situation that I grew up in when I was born. And um, the Lord began to use my dad, and you know, eventually we started prospering. But for many years, we actually lived in that situation where we had nothing. And anywhere that I go, every city that I go to, every nation that I go to, I make sure I talk about something called seed time and harvest. And I don't leave a place without talking about it. And I don't talk about it because I need the money. I, trust me, I don't need the money. I didn't come here because I wanted money. And Pastor James will attest to that. Unlike other preachers, I did not come here calling Pastor James saying, if you pay me this much, I'll be here. I paid for our own way. I paid for our own hotels. I paid for our own flights. Not just me. We have 14 people who travel with us, and we had to pay for eight different rooms for everyone to stay, food and everything else, and all on our own expense. And not only that, we're going to be blessing this church with subwoofers this week. So we're not come here to, no, we haven't come here to take. We've come here to give. But let me tell you, until unless God increases you, you cannot be a blessing. Only after you are blessed can you be a blessing. And so I remember this one, one particular time in my life, and uh, I was barely about four and a half, five years old, and my mom and my dad, we had this old moped, you know, and uh, it had only one seat on it, so my dad actually added an extra seat behind it. And um, it didn't have enough power to pull three people on that thing. And so there was, there was this bridge in my city, and every time you had to cross that bridge, my dad had to speed up so that it would go over the bridge. If it was too slow, it would shut down. So one day, he was driving, he started speeding up, but for some crazy reason, that thing shut down and it stopped at, at, its, at its tracks right there. And my dad got off the thing, my mom got off, and uh, my mom was holding my hand and she was walking up the bridge. And she looked at me and uh, she was talking to me, she was telling me Bible stories. And my favorite one was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego which was what I grew up with. Other kids grew up with fairy tales. I grew up with stories like that. And um, I remember as we were going up the bridge, there was this large, large billboard there. And there was an actor who was on that billboard. And as we were going up the bridge, I saw a watermelon stand under that big billboard. And uh, back in the day, uh, I think when I was a kid, uh, a watermelon costed about 25 cents or something like that. And um, I looked at my dad and I said, I want some watermelon. And I started crying, I want watermelon. And my dad couldn't afford even 25 cents to buy me a watermelon. And as I kept asking him, I saw tears roll down his eyes because he couldn't pay for it. And the minute I saw him tear up, I stopped crying because I, I really loved my dad, you know. And I, I thought, you know, I, I shouldn't cry because he's already feeling bad about it. I didn't understand why until I was older, but I understood that at that moment that something was wrong. And so that's, what, that's the kind of situation that I, I grew up in. And then as I was growing up, the Lord began to use me to touch hundreds of people. My ministry began at the age of 13, I was packing out stadiums by the age of 15. Stadiums of 10,000, 15,000, 20,000 people, I was packing those stadiums out. And by the time I turned about 19 or 20 years old, the Lord had taken us to a different city to minister there. 
And as we went to the different city, the Lord spoke to me and said, you have to go back to your own city to do a crusade. And I said, yes, Lord, whatever you tell me, I'll do. And so we set up a crusade in my own city, and we flew down there. And I landed, landed and the cars were waiting for me. And I had a police escort. I had four cars behind me escorting me security and everything. And we were driving down that road. And as we were driving down that road, we came to that same bridge that we were at. And as the car started going up that bridge, I looked to my left, and I saw that same watermelon stand still there. <laughs> I looked at it, and I said, isn't that the same place? And I saw that place, and as we were crossing it, I shouted, I yelled in the car, I said, stop the car! <laughs> and like all the cars stopped, like back to back. And then I got down from the car. My whole security team is freaking out right now. They're like, what the heck is he doing? You know? And uh, I get off from the car, and I start walking towards the watermelon stand. And the entire security team and my whole team, everybody, they start getting down from the car, the worship team and everybody who's traveling with me. They get down from the car, and we're all standing together, and they're wondering why I'm here. And I looked at them, and I said, I told them the same story. And I said, we couldn't even afford watermelon back in the day. I said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make sure every single one of you gets a watermelon today. <laughs> and I bought my whole team watermelon. We emptied out that entire cart that that guy had. And let me tell you, when I saw that big billboard where that actor was once upon a time, there was my picture right there. And I looked at it, and I was standing right under it. And the Lord spoke to me and said, the one who called is faithful. Hallelujah. So it doesn't matter where you are or where you come from. God can take you up and raise you up to a position of influence. Not only that will you be blessed, you will be a blessing to many. God's will for your life is not for you to be broke and poor. The Bible says the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. I don't believe that anything related to finances, when, it, when you look at your finances, when you don't have enough, it doesn't bring joy to anybody. How many of you tell me that, you know, one day I was broke and I was so happy that I was broke? <laughs> anybody here? How many of you tell me, I had to pay my rent the very next month and I didn't have enough money and I was very happy about it? So if being broke does not make you happy, how can it be from God? God's will for you is not to be broke. God's will for you is to prosper and have abundance in every area of your life. And that's exactly what God wants to do. The next week, not, it's not only going to be just about healings and miracles. But I believe this coming week, you're going to have miracles in every area of your life. As you come, get yourself into the presence of God, into the power of God. Everything will start opening up for you. And every breakthrough that you've been waiting for will start happening. But let me tell you, but I still have to teach you how you can get from where you are to where God wants you to be. And there was a particular time in my life where everything started breaking open and things started happening to me. And I want to read this quick scripture to you. Open with me, 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency, in all things, may you have an abundance for every good work. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, supply and multiply the seed that you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Now pay attention to me for the next few minutes. And if you understand what I'm about to tell you, it's going to turn everything around for you once and for all. Let me tell you, why is seed time and harvest such an important thing? Why do I teach it wherever I go? 
Let me make you understand that seed time and harvest is not just about another offering. The problem with Christians today, we've turned giving into a religious thing. But giving is not a religious thing. It's actually a heart matter. Are you listening to me? Giving is such a powerful thing. It not only works for you and me, it even works for God. What do I mean by that? Let me explain that. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Now let me make you understand this. Every seed produces according to its kind. Are you listening to me? When you put a mango seed in, what do you get? A mango tree. When you put an apple seed in, what do you get? A mango tree? You get an apple tree. So whenever you sow a seed, the kind of the seed that you sow is the kind of the harvest that you receive. So when God saw the earth and he had a plan of redemption, he took his seed, which was his son. And when you love somebody, you don't give them the crappiest thing you have available. I don't know anybody who gives a good gift to a bad person. Or gives a good gift to a person that they don't like. Are you listening to me? The gift that you give to somebody directly correlates to how much you actually like them. Now everything produces according to the likeness that you sow it into. And when God, the Bible says when God so loved the world, he didn't send some angel with a broken wing to come and save us. Nor did he send a prophet with a dirty beard. He sent the most precious thing that he had, his only son. When he took his son as the seed, he sowed that seed into us. And when that seed died and came back to life after three days, when he sowed one son, he reaped many sons and daughters. So seed time and harvest works even for God. What he sowed is exactly what he reaped. You give because you love. You don't give out of compulsion. You give because you love. The Bible says if you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. If you sow bountifully, you will reap bountifully. Let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. For God gives seed to the sower, bread for food, supplies and multiplies the seed that you have sown and increases the fruits of your righteousness. That's how much I've read that scripture. Now let me break that scripture down for you very quickly. What happens when you give out of love? And if you understand this, this will break, break you through in every area of your life. The Lord has blessed me and prospered me so much today. That I own my own oil refinery in India. I own gas stations in India. All right. We have crusades that have over half a million people. Okay. I have businesses in Australia that build websites from, for some of the largest, country, largest companies on the planet. So I'm not broke. And there's a reason why I'm not broke. Everybody wants to be where I am, but nobody wants to do what I do. Are you listening to me? Oh, we want to be like you. Then do what I'm telling you to do. Now listen to me. Now let me explain this to you. How love and giving out of love actually works. Every time you give, it's a confession of your love. Now let me quickly pull somebody up. I'm going to pull up my sister here for a very quick second. This is my sister. She is a blessing. She's stood with me through a lot of things, and uh, I love her very dearly. And also, let me tell you who she is. She's actually Pastor Rodney Howard Brown's daughter. She's here with us. Give her a big hand, please. And that worship, that worship team that you see, she's the one who built that entire worship team, put them together. Wasn't today powerful? Now, let me quickly explain this to you. How giving actually works. 
Now, I love this watch so much. Somebody gave this to me the other day. I love this watch so much. But I love her so much as well. Okay? Now, pay attention to me. I love this watch, and I love her very much. Now, this watch has value. And she has value too. Okay? Now, pay attention to this. If you understand this, you'll break through in everything. Now, when I give her this watch, I'm, I'm not actually giving it to you. I really love this watch. I'm just saying, I love you, but not that much. Not just yet. But when you love somebody so much, for example, I take this watch that has value. I put it into her and I said, this is for you. You know what I'm saying? I love you more than I love this watch. When God gave his only son, he was saying, I love you more than I love my only son. The value of the person is greater than the value of the gift that you are giving. Thank you. Do you understand what I'm saying? So every time you give to God, you are actually telling God how much you value him. And the reason a lot of people are not blessed is because God knows how much you value him every time you sow a seed. I'm a little quiet in here very quickly. <laughs> now pay attention to this. Now when you are giving, you give your best because you love God that much. The Bible talks about it. It says you cannot to, to serve two masters. Either you love the, love the one and you'll hate the other. You can't serve God and money or God and mammon. Are you listening to me? The Bible never says money is the root of all evil. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. Now, what does the Bible mean when it says you can serve either one or the other? You can't serve both. A lot of people don't realize this, but they're actually slaves to money. Everything that they are their entire identity is built on how much money they've made. That's why some of the richest people you meet are the most stingiest people you'll ever meet. I live a better life than most millionaires do. You know why? Because they're tight with their pocket, because they're scared. If I let this go, my identity is gone. But your identity is not based on the money that you have. It's based on the one that provides it. And unfortunately, a lot of people are stuck where they are because of love of money. Whoever has your heart, you will serve them. And let me tell you, sadly, even a lot of ministers serve mammon and not God. What do I mean? Every decision that they make is based upon the next offering. Every decision that they make has got to do with money. And that happens with everybody. Now imagine you're in debt. Every move that you make financially will always based, will be based on paying that debt off. Are you listening to me? Then who are you serving in that case? God or money? And until unless you break out of that love for money, God cannot actually bless you. Now let me ask you a very simple question. If you ever bow down before an idol, would you go to heaven? Yes or no? Some people are thinking, uh, I'm not sure. Will you go to heaven or not if you bow down to an idol? Then if money is your idol... Will you go to heaven or not? It's as simple as that. But I need you to understand this. To break out of that love for money, you need to be giving. And a lot of people don't understand the principle of seed time and harvest. And I'm going to put the foundation of that today so you understand everything that I'm teaching for the rest of the week. Now imagine one day you're eating a mango. How many of you eat mangoes? Okay. One day you eat a mango and you liked it very much and you want to plant that seed. So you take the seed in your hand 
okay? You hold that seed in your hand. And you look at it and you're like, that was a great mango. So now I'm going to pray over the seed. In the name of Jesus, I command this seed to grow. In the name of Jesus, I command the seed to be multiplied. Stand here with the seed for the next hundred years. And tell me if the seed will ever grow. But instead, the only way the seed grows is when you take the seed and put it and let, let it go into the ground. And when it dies in the ground, it produces fruit. So you cannot hold the seed in your hand and expect God to bless you. Some things don't happen by prayer. They happen by the action of your faith. Are you listening to me? Now you might ask me, oh, well, how do, I, how do I know what I need to sow? Let me explain that to you. I'm going to go back to the mango seed. Since a lot of you have eaten mangoes before, I'm going to explain it that way. Have any of you ever taken a mango seed and bitten into it? And if you have, it's very bitter. Are you listening to me? How do you, how do you know what you need to sow? It's very simple. Anything that tastes bitter is your seed. That means when you look at your finances and it makes you bitter and it's not sweet, it's your seed. What doesn't meet your need is your seed. Do you understand that? Imagine you have a need this month, let's say $5,000 is your need. And all you have is $1,000. If it's not going to meet your need, then what's the point of holding on to it? it it's not like that's going to save you anyway. So you might as well give it up. And trust that God will give you the increase. And the reason I'm so prosperous today, I have never been a stingy person. Every occasion that I've gotten to sow a seed, I've sowed a seed. And I don't mean like, oh, I'm going to like take whatever little I have and throw it in. The only time a $10 or $20 bill gets really, really in demand is at churches. Yeah. No other time do you want to touch that. But oh, when, I'm, when I come to church, here's, here's what I'm going to do. And God will do exactly that with you if you sow sparingly. So a lot of people don't understand the reason why they're broke. If you don't like what you have today, take a look at what you sowed yesterday. I don't like what I have today uh, because you didn't sow a good seed yesterday. You need scripture reference? Galatians chapter 6. Go ahead and read it when you get the time. And when I, when I, whenever I receive an offering, I never hype the place up. People give out of like compulsion. Oh, I'm going to give. And they don't get blessed. Because you don't give out of a compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. And the Bible says you don't give out of necessity. Say with me, necessity. necessity. Then you might say, oh, if that's the case, and you just said, um, if I'm in a need, I need to give. How does that work? Let me explain it to you. When the Bible says, do not give out of your necessity, what the scripture actually means is this. Do not give from the place of your need, but rather give from the place of your faith. Over the second Corinthians chapter eight. Verse two. That in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in riches of their liberality. Read that again. The trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty. Say with me, deep poverty. It was not just poverty, it was deep pow poverty. Abounded in the riches of their liberality. 
That means these people who had deep poverty abounded in their giving. So how is that possible? You know what happens to a lot of people? A lot of people give out of their need. All right, listen to me. That means, oh, I have little, let's say I have $100. That's all I have, so I'm going to take $10 and I'm going to sew that in. That's giving out of your need. But when you give out of your faith, you look at that $100, but you're not moved by the $100 that's in your bank account. Rather, you know that the one who called you is faithful, and he will bless you according to his riches and glory. And then when you look at the $100, it doesn't bother you, so you'd grab it, and you're like, I'm going to give this whole thing away. Why? For a very, very simple reason. A man or a woman of faith is a man or woman who is righteous. And the Bible says the righteous give without sparing. If you don't have faith, you will never be a liberal giver. Oh, when I get blessed, I'll give. No, give and you'll be blessed. Just these past three months, three, four months of our ministry, we've already crossed sowing over $91,000 just from our ministry to different ministries across the world. That's more than what most business people give into ministries. I've yet to see a businessman give the way I give. I'm telling you. I'm waiting for that day. There are very few people out there. If they do give, you know why business people give sometimes? They give to please the preacher. Or they give to please somebody. Or they give to ease their own conscience. But those are not the reasons you give with. You give because you love God. You give towards souls. You give towards the kingdom of God. When you give liberally and with all your heart without sparing, God will give it back to you liberally and without sparing. But if you withhold, God will withhold. Give and it shall be given unto you. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. The righteous give without sparing. I want you to understand revival is not just about healings and miracles. It's also about your heart being set free from the love of money. When your heart is set free from the love of money, that's when God can actually grab a hold of you. And say, I'm going to turn things around. Because I know your heart does not belong to money, it belongs to me. That's what turned my ministry around. We went from having nothing and having debt every crusade after every crusade. To having an overflow. To a point where we come to cities and we don't even ask for a single thing. And the only, and the only reason we even take an offering. Is because we teach the people on seed time and harvest. And if I don't teach on it. That's me robbing the people of their blessing. You're not giving to me. You're giving to God. Even if you didn't give me a single penny tonight. I promise you, God will still take care of every need that we have over and above. But this opportunity that I'm giving you to sow is going into America. I'm not taking one dollar back to India or to put it into India. Every dollar that comes in from these meetings is going to go straight back into America. I'm actually planning a large crusade in Los Angeles this year. And all that is going towards that. We're going to shake California with the power of God. So tonight, I want to give you an opportunity to sow a seed. Do what you've never done before. Let God speak to you what you need to sow today. Towards what we're doing. And everything that comes in will go into the kingdom, will go into souls. And I'm not going to even take, I, I don't even take a salary from the ministry. I put everything in, back into the gospel. Because my businesses take care of me personally, so I don't need to take anything from the ministry. So tonight, I'm going to give you an opportunity to sow a seed. And every eye be closed, every head be bowed right now. May the Lord speak to you tonight of what you need to sow. You heard the truth about seed time and harvest. 
Now it's time to act on that tonight. Do what you've never done before. Give like you've never given before. Even the people watching us online, give like you've never given before. And you will see such breakthroughs happen. Even as you give tonight, there'll be such suddenlies that will take you over. That you won't believe your eyes and believe what God's going to do. The place that you are in right now will be the lowest place that you, have, that you will ever be in. The Lord will start in increasing you from this very moment. Do whatever the Lord tells you to do. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that the spirit of increase come upon every single person here tonight. That I pray that you will multiply the seed that they have sown. And you will increase the fruits of their righteousness. I speak to the north, to the south, to the east, to the west. Release the finances to come in in the name of Jesus. I pray, O oh Lord God, even those finances that they didn't think existed will suddenly show up at their doorstep in the name of Jesus. Those who have lost their jobs, I pray that you will give them brand new jobs even by the end of this week in Jesus' mighty name. I thank you, Lord. Even those businesses that have gone broke, I pray that you'll bring divine increase upon them in the name of Jesus. Even the generational wealth, Father God, that has been hidden away for a certain time like this will be released now in the name of Jesus. Everyone at the sound of my voice, I call you blessed in Jesus' name. May you overflow all the days of your life. You will never lack as long as you shall, shall live. You will overflow mentally, physically, emotionally, in love, in joy, in peace, in prosperity. All the days of your life. Be blessed in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Give the Lord a mighty hand. Hallelujah. Now open your Bibles with me to Mark chapter 11. We're going to read verse 12. Mark chapter 11, verse 12. Now the next day when they had come out from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see perhaps he would find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. In response, Jesus said to it, Let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. Verse 20. Now in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to him, have faith in God. Say with me, have faith in God. Have faith in God, for assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Hallelujah. The Bible talks about the story, and I love the story so much. One day Jesus is walking down the road and he sees a fig tree from a distance. And no, notice this, right? it wasn't the season for figs. He goes up to that tree and he, and he sees no figs on it and he says, I curse you from the roots. Now my question to you, who was being irrational at this moment? Jesus? Because the Bible clearly says it was not the season for figs. But Jesus says he expected fruit in a time which was not the season for figs. Let me tell you this. For a child of God, and let me say this again. For a child of God, you can expect a blessing or fruit in season and out of season. People think, oh, it's not the season for blessing right now in the middle of COVID-19 and all this stuff that's happening. Um, how can I even expect to be blessed? You can expect to be blessed. You are allowed to be irrational, especially if you are a child of the living God. You are expected to expect a blessing. Now Jesus sees that fig tree and he says that fig tree, wither down, dry up from the roots. 
And the Bible says the disciples heard it. Jesus didn't go like this. Quiet Christians die quietly. <laughs> if you believe, if you believe something on the inside of you, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth shall speak. You cannot say that you have faith in God and be quiet about what you believe. A lot of people, I believe that God will bless me, but you don't ever want to say it aloud. What, what if it doesn't happen? Um, what if it does happen? A lot of people will be afraid to say something like that in public because they're afraid of failure. But a man or a woman filled with faith will always declare boldly what they believe. And the Bible says, he will have whatsoever he saith. Not whatsoever he prayeth. Whatsoever he saith. It means what you say is what will happen. You heard me preach last night about the power of the spoken word. Things happen when you speak. People don't understand the difference between praying and then commanding. You don't go up to the devil and pray. You go up to the devil and you command. When you go in the closet, you pray. More relationship equals more authority. The reason a lot of people and a lot of Christians are struggling today is because they have no authority and they carry no authority because they have no relationship with the living God. Oh, brother, I have a very big mountain in front of me. You know, unfortunately, I have the faith, but my family doesn't have the faith. Oh, I have the faith, but my husband doesn't have the faith. I have the faith, but my children don't have the faith. Excuse me. Does a mountain have faith? Answer me that. Does a mountain have faith? Can a mountain have faith? That's the same thing with a lot of preachers. They go to different cities to preach and whatever. When miracles don't happen, you know what they say? The people didn't have faith. Uh, what happened to your faith? You weak-ass preacher who carries no firepower. God not only honors the people's faith, he honors your faith as well. Say with me, my faith is enough. Come on, don't say it like a bunch of pansies. Say it like you mean it. My faith is enough. Your faith is enough to move that mountain. And I love that scripture. I'm going to read that one more time. I love that scripture. Man. Gets me riled up. So Jesus answered and said unto them, Have faith in God, for assuredly I say to you. If he says assuredly, that means assuredly. The Bible says have faith in God. A lot of people say, I'm praying that God gives me more faith. Uh, no, God doesn't give you more faith. But you know what he does do? He is the object of our faith. He doesn't give you faith. He's the object of your faith. Because people ask me, how can you be this bold and say the things that you say? I can say the things that I say because I know that things don't happen because of me. It happens because of him. My faith doesn't come in who I am. My faith in, comes in who he, he, who he is. Unfortunately, a lot of Christians even today are so complacent and happy in the positions that they're in. I hear a lot of Christians come up to me all the time and say, Evangelist Ankit, I want you to pray for me. I want you to pray for my tumor. I want you to pray you know, for, for, for my cancer. I've been, you know, I've been having this headache for a long time. 
Um, if it's your cancer, if it's your tumor, then you should keep it. Sickness does not belong to you. Health, love, joy, peace, prosperity belongs to you. Oh, you know, I've been sick for a very long time. You know, the problem with most people is this. They go to God as a last resort. And everything, all hope is gone, I'm going to go to God. If you've made God your first resort, you would never be in that situation anyway. Don't pray when you're in trouble. Pray always. So when trouble does come around, you have the boldness and the firepower to say, No, you will not have me. You will not have my children. You will not have my family. You will not have my generations. If you let the devil take over your life, he will do it. You need to have that violent faith against the things of the devil. You have to come to a point where you say, I am tired and I'm sick of the position that I am in. And I want to get out of this place and get to the place of blessing that God actually has for me. Until unless you get to that point, nothing's ever going to happen. Oh, why am I not healed? Uh, because you're not putting your faith into action. Why am I not set free? Why am I poor? Why am I broke? Because you don't have that violent faith against these things. You cannot let the devil dictate the outcome of your situation. The power you have. When you have that faith on the inside of it, when it rises up on the inside of you, no devil will stand in your way. Amen. Open with me, Hebrews chapter 4. We'll read verse 11. I'm reading the Passion Translation. So then we must give our all and be eager to experience this faith rest life so that no one falls short by following the same pattern of doubt and unbelief. For we have the living word of God, which is full of energy, or power, like a two-mouthed sword. I was actually having a conversation with the one who translated this Bible, the Passion Translation. We were at a conference together, we were preaching together, he was sitting with me. And he was actually reading the scripture to me. And he said, when I, he said, when I translated this particular scripture, he said the original text actually says two-mouthed sword rather than two-edged sword. And that hit me like a sledgehammer. You know what I understood? When your word that comes out of your mouth connects with the word of God, the two-mouth sword releases a power to destroy every yoke of bondage upon your life. Are you listening to me? It's a two-mouth sword. God is looking for people who will amplify the sound of heaven. The reason you are in the situation that you're in is because you've let the devil take control over you. The reason I tell you, put your faith into action, test your bodies, do what you could not do, is because you have to have that violent faith and that holy anger against the things that you are dealing with. Amen. I remember one day I was in India and I was preaching in a very large crusade. And I stood up on that stage and I said to the people, Jesus does not depend on my prayer to heal the sick. And as I was standing there, one of my guys came up to me and said to me, tonight you cannot lay hands on the sick or they will arrest you. And I said, what do you mean? On what grounds? And he said to me, practicing medicine without a license. <laughs> In India, witchcraft is actually illegal. So they were putting it under the same classification as witchcraft. And they wouldn't let me lay hands on people. 
So I was like, Lord, what do I do? And the Lord said, what do you mean, what do I do? Since when have you been doing anything? And I was like, kind of makes sense. Then I stood up on that stage and I said, tonight I'm not going to pray for the I'm not going to pray for the sick. I'm not going to lay hands on anybody tonight. And I said, here's what we're going to do instead. I said, all you're going to do is lift both your hands. And you're going to shout the name of Jesus as loud as you can. I said, don't stop till I tell you to stop. And as you call upon the name of the Lord, he will answer you and he will deliver you. I said, whatever healing you require in your body, it shall be done tonight. I said, even if you are missing an organ, God will create a brand new organ for you. And I remember all the pastors and leaders standing there looking at me like I was totally crazy. That finally he lost his mind. He doesn't know what he's doing. We knew this day was coming. And I stood there. Because you know, a lot of Christians actually think that things happen because of them and because of what they can do. It's got nothing to do with that. I'm not anything. I'm just a man who basically echoes whatever heaven tells me. It's as simple as that. He says, say this, and I say this. He says, do this, I do this. He says, go here, I go there. That's all I do. And most people can't even do that because they don't have that faith. Oh, give this. Uh, I'm not sure. Go here. Um, I need to pray about it. Um, isn't, that, isn't God the one who told you to do it? I met, an, I met a student that I gave a scholarship to. I sent her to uh, RBI, River Bible Institute. And she comes and meets me after the service, and she says, I'm quitting RBI. I said, why? And um, she said, well, in L.A. when you were here, when you gave the scholarship, God spoke to me to go to RBI. I said, yeah, I know. And he's like, yeah, but now God spoke to me that I have to leave RBI. What, is God schizo all of a sudden? <laughs> he just changed his mind randomly? A lot of people don't even know when they're hearing from God and when they're not. If you ever want to hear the voice of the Lord, read your Bible loudly. It'll help. If you're ever confused, go back to the Bible. I got to go to this prophet. Um, he's going to call out my name. Don't you know your own name? He's going to call out my phone. Uh, okay, you don't know your own phone number. That's fantastic. And I'm not against all that stuff, but I'm just saying. Hold on to the word of God, the true source. The Bible says, I will teach my sheep to hear my voice. And I don't discredit the fact that God uses men and women. And I preached about that last night. But at the same time, you cannot depend on that for the rest of your life. There comes a time when you need to take the word of God in. And stand on that word. My goal for this week is not just to rile you up and send you back home. I want to have you well equipped to face everything that comes your way. To break down any wall that stands in front of you. And not only will you be set free. By the time this is over, you will be anointed to set other people free. Now, as I was standing there in that crusade, and I said, just shout the name of Jesus and miracles will happen tonight. And people began to shout, Jesus. And I'm telling you, it was the most heavenly sound I've ever heard in my life. There's nothing I love more when that sweet, sweet name, Jesus, is proclaimed. <laughs> miracles start breaking out across the, across the place. The blind start seeing, the cripples start walking, things start happening. And one girl actually came up on the stage with her mother. And they were sobbing and they were, they were weeping profusely. And I pulled them up and I said, what happened to you? And the mother wouldn't stop crying. So I had to wait for almost 10 minutes to have her calm down. And she finally looked at me and she said, this is my daughter. And she was born without the organ to pass urine with. And she was born without her urinary bladder. She was born without... 
her uterus, she was born without anything down there. And the doctor said when she turns 18, we'll put a fake organ there that will help her control everything. But they said that, that might not be successful either. But she said we took, I think they, she said we took almost eight different buses to get here to the service. And the reason, because the girl could not hold her urine in and she, she, she had no control over it. And she smelled so bad that they kicked her out of every bus that they got into. It took them almost two days to get to the crusade. Listen, when you're hungry, you don't care what you have to do. The Syrophoenician woman in the Bible, Jesus looked at her and said, and called her a dog, basically. And basically called her the B word. And the funny thing about that story, when Jesus called her a dog, she didn't get offended and walk away. What kind of preacher is this? Called me a dog. I'm never coming back to this preacher again. She looked at him and she said, even the dogs eat off what falls off the table. When you're hungry, you can't get offended. When you're desperate, you don't care what anybody has to say. You're going to go get what you want. If you're not at that place of desperation, then you will never have what God wants you to have. The woman with the issue of blood. Back in the day, she, was actually, she would actually have been stoned to death for even leaving the house while bleeding. Thankfully, we don't live in Jesus' time. But this woman was so desperate, thought to herself, I'm dying anyway. I might as well go touch the hem of his garment. If they kill me, they kill me, but I want my miracle. She went and touched the hem of his garment, and she was made clean. Your breakthrough has got to do everything with how desperate you are. And that lady came up and she looks at me and she says, we changed all these different buses to get here. And, and they said they put us all the way in, in the back of the crusade ground. And we probably had over 60, 70,000 people. So she was all the way in the back. And the people pushed her all the way to the back because the girl smelled so bad that nobody wanted them around. And she said, when you said, call, call out of the name of Jesus, she said, I held my daughter and I called out of the name of Jesus. And she was a Hindu woman. And she said, as I called out, my daughter grabbed me and said, there's something happening to me. She said, it hurts, mommy, it hurts. <laughs> and she grabbed the little daughter and she took her to the side to check. And they found a brand new organ created for her right there at that moment. The next day... They came back with the scans and the report of everything intact. The doctors didn't understand how this even happened. There is so much to the power of God that people don't understand. America has forgotten about the power of God. They've gone away from the, from, from the, the old-time religion. And when I say religion, I don't, mean, I don't mean religion, religion. I mean the old-time Pentecostal faith where they believed what they needed to believe. They didn't have any skinny jeans preachers. Nor did they have people who sat on stools and preached. Let me ask you this. With all the trumpet blowing, the flag waving... How much power do they actually carry? And I'm not against trumpets and flags or whatever. You can fly them all they want. I don't care. But if you don't carry the power of God with it, you can take that flag and stick it. Because all you're doing is creating a religion. If you really want religion, go back to India and worship the Hindu gods. 
And then you have these Christians. Oh, look, I found a little sparkle on my hand. Gold dust. Um, my God is not a God who answers by pixie dust. My God is a God who answers by fire. You know, it's almost like in their head, they think God is like a, like Tinkerbell. A little sparkle for you, and a little sparkle for you. Here a sparkle, there a sparkle. What do you think God is doing? Wearing a tutu, going around and giving people sparkles? And then you have people. Let's kill some religion tonight, shall we? And people. Oh, man. They're going back so far back that they're going back to Judaism. Oh, I'm going to keep the, the, the Passover of the Lamb. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, you know, wear a, you know, a, what was a prayer cloth thing. And I'm going to wear that little yarmulke or whatever the heck you call it. Is, is that what they call it? Okay, that's what they call it. Great. See, I'm so far away from religion that I don't even know what these things are called. Oh, it's, it's the full moon. It's, the, it's this moon. It's that moon. Jeez. All right. Let's read the Bible very quickly. Shall we? Let's go back to the Word of God. Colossians. Chapter 3. And it's going to bother a lot of people. And let me just say this. If you don't like what I'm saying, how about you rip this page off the Bible and throw it away? Or just throw your whole Bible away. You can't say, I believe in one portion of the Bible and I don't believe the other portion of the Bible. You better believe all of it. All right, Colossians chapter 2, verse 16. So why would you allow anyone to judge you because of what you eat or drink? Or insist that you keep the feasts Observe new moon celebrations or the Sabbath. All of these were but a prophetic shadow and the evidence of what would be fulfilled, for the body is now Christ. So why would you live in religion when Christ died so he can get you out of religion? Jesus didn't die on the cross so he can form a, Christ, a religion called Christianity. If there's anything I hate is religion. You know why? I come from India. I see what religion does to people. It's destroyed more lives than you can imagine. The reason Christians are broke, depressed, have no wealth, have no finances, have no health, is because of these preachers who are preaching another gospel does not, that does not even belong in the Bible. God didn't tell you to do any of that. Those who call upon his name shall be saved. He made it simple. Why complicate it? When Jesus spoke to that fig tree and say, wither down, dry up from the roots. When the words left his mouth, the tree didn't keel over and fall down and die immediately. When they came back the next day, the disciples saw that a tree had fallen over dead. Even though they didn't see, they did not see any immediate sign of that tree dying, even as Jesus spoke the word, the word went down to the roots and began to destroy that tree till it existed no more. Even tonight, as I'm speaking the word over your life, you don't realize it. But the word is going down deep into the roots of your problem. And it is destroying it from the roots. The sickness, the disease, whatever you're dealing with is the fruit of the tree. But the word destroys the root of that tree. And when they came around the next day, they saw the tree dead. Jesus was in shock. Oh, look, the tree's dead. I can't believe what I said happened. <laughs> he was very sure of what he was saying. 
People ask me, how can you say miracles will happen tonight? For a simple reason, I know what Jesus does. His character is to heal people. So I'm never surprised when he heals people. Until unless you get hungry for the things of God, nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to change. You've got to cry out to God and tell him, God, touch me. Change me. Use me. Let me never be the same. Heal me. Get to that point of desperation where you're so desperate that you will do anything to receive your healing. If you're not hungry, then nothing will happen. If you're not hungry, then you might as well leave tonight. But if you want something from God tonight, then you better get hungry. The Bible says, Jesus said, If you say to this mountain, Be thou removed and be cast into the sea, it shall move. Tonight, whatever mountain you're dealing with, I'm going to speak to that mountain. And it shall move. And let me say this. Tonight, I don't give you an option but to be healed. I don't give you an option but to be set free tonight. Even if you don't like it, you will be healed tonight. I don't want to be healed. I don't care if you don't want to be healed. Your tumor that you're dealing with will listen to my words. You can call it your tumor all you want. When I speak to it, it will move. You've been blessed by our podcast. Connect with us online at www.ankithrambabu.org for more information. Email us at partners at ankithrambabu.org to sponsor our meetings or crusades, enabling yourself to reap the same rewards.